This appendix is brought to you by duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. If you're going to be doing any kind of shopping on Amazon, and I'm pretty sure you will be, you can go to that website, duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, use the link that is appropriate for your region and uh, buy stuff. And we get a kickback, a small portion of uh, whatever you buy. Uh, by which I mean a percentage of what you spent, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. This is a wonderful way to help the network financially indirectly, uh, and it is so easy, and we appreciate everybody who has taken uh, the extra step. Additionally, uh, at the end of this appendix, after we get to the letters and stuff, Gary and I have recorded a uh, uh, a response to kind of some of the stuff that is happening with Poise right now. It'd be weird not to talk about it, and it just falls in a weird spot in our recording session um, and schedule, things like that. So stick around toward the end for kind of our uh, a rare news section from us. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy this whole thing. Thanks. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is an unkindled favorite. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to the High Wall of Lothric. Yeah. Thank you again to Jason Killingsworth of uh, You Died fame. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, we are recording this at a different time because of time constraints, but uh, he is a great man, and we appreciate his time and his input. Check out his book. Immensely. Yeah, you should. His and really McDonald's book. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we are going to get started here. We have a lot of responses. You guys came out in force, which is awesome. Yeah. We appreciate that. Um, I'm going to get started here with a little bit of follow-up, um, which we mentioned a little bit last episode, but we're going to go ahead and just get it here to give credit to the first persons who, uh, first people who brought this up. Uh, Dustin says via contact, um, and he was joined by a legion, an undead legion of followers. <laughs> um, just wanted to say it's Gundir, not Grunder. Uh, it's a minor thing, but I figured I'd let you know. Thank you for being so yeah. kind about it. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just like we said last time, it is not to discourage people from doing it, but it is funny when you make one misspeak and hear a thousand <laughs> responses. But yep. we still appreciate it, it is as a, long as you're polite. Yes, it is a ripple that goes outward. Um, similar, we had uh, we uh, we had Todd, among others, who wrote in saying, you can be forgiven for not finding the silver cat ring, which is totally in Dark Souls 3, because it's an easily missed reward for a step in Cirrus's quest line. Uh, you can, and I have, accidentally skip this step and still reach the end of her quest. Yeah, I, I didn't get Cirrus's uh, quest line to the end. No, um, on my first playthrough, I did it on my second playthrough and got that ring, and that ring is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, quest line, I think, is among the more poorly signposted yeah. quests in the game. Um, the intuitive leap you have to make to get to that step that we're talking about, mm-hmm. I have no—or uh, both of them. There are, like, two <laughs> things that I have no idea how you're supposed to know how to do them without a guide. Yep. So. So. Uh, womp. But, yeah, thank yeah, you I'm for correcting us. Look, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking about that, that quest line. Uh, because it is, uh, it is cuckoo bananas. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the final little piece of follow-up, um, a lot of people wrote this in, uh, cause in the intro episode, we talked about how Yorm, um, the giant of the profaned capital is Dark Souls 2 giant. Um, a lot of people point out that he's not, um, and it's a little bit weird because his, it has to be intentional, right? <laughs> I can't say, I can't say. I don't know. Well, so like the way he is framed every single time you see him in like promotional things or in the intro, mm-hmm. he looks like a Dark Souls 2 giant. Yeah, he's got that uh, he's got that chainmail cowl that kind of it makes is, his face look like a void. It is intentionally making his face look like a void. Mm-hmm. And then if you follow a very Byzantine quest line to the end, <laughs> uh, you get to see his face. Right. Um, so, and the developers have said, and then also there's like a word of God thing where they've said like, no, it's not a Dark Souls 2 giant. <laughs> Which, uh, why? Why? I hate we, it. We, we, were just con- we were just conserving giants is all we were doing. It, well, yeah, I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate that that's the, like, this is a new giant. Like, why? Why Why would? Why do we need this many types of giants? You know, it, it doesn't feel cool to me anymore. Like yeah. <laughs> just introducing new, you know, like new things like that. And I don't know if it is just like, oh, we couldn't. Uh, like if it is literally the conspiracy theory part of me, that's like, oh, it is just another part of this concerted effort to flush Dark Souls 2 down the memory hole. Mm-hmm. Or if it is just, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I have no idea why. Because, I mean, it wouldn't change that much if these were the giants. Like it's so far in the future. Like mm-hmm. 
You know, we know yeah. that some of them, you know, some of them did survive. They yeah. rebuilt a culture. This happened. <laughs> it's, an, yeah. it's a cool little nod. And it's a cool design. I like the faceless giants. And even his uh, his shield or uh, something that you get with his soul says like he's the descendant of uh, of, you know, a brave, you know, a brave giant who who defended his land or something yeah. like that. Like which which very well could have been the, the giant lord. And that would have been cool. Yes. You know, instead, now it's just this new thing we have to think about. <laughs> and, and we have to think about, like, is this a capital G giant? Is this a lowercase G giant? Yeah. Slave <sighs> giant. You know, regular giant, 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 or Dark Souls 2 giant. Um, it's annoying yeah. to me. I, I wish that this wasn't the case. And part of me thought that maybe it was like you weren't supposed to see his face during that thing. Because mm-hmm. it's not very outlined. And I was thinking, oh, maybe these don't have like a faceless model. And mm-hmm. the light just happened to hit this in a weird way. But no, it's I, I think it is intentional that he has this face. Yeah, but even when you're, I just don't like, think it's cool. When you're fighting him, he has those two red dots. But I always thought that was like, oh, he's abyss touched. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just you know, like I, I fought it. I noticed the eyes. I didn't think those eyes were his. Yeah, and, a lot of enemies have have this. Yeah, you know, have have a uh, have red eyes. Yeah. So, so like, I don't think this is a lack of rigor on our part. Like, we know all this stuff. It's just like we we called it there. <laughs> yeah, we called it before seeing. And again, it's a, like when we're making mistakes in the first episode where the the problem is hidden behind the quest lines of Dark Souls Three. <laughs> um, I don't feel like there's that much blame for us there. Yeah. Like it is. Well, of course uh, we would getting... say that. Yeah. We, of course. Yeah. I need to, yep. <laughs> the first um, person to correct so... me on this, I had to hand them my wand and scepter and give them all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. All of our, all of our pod royal pod riches. Um, the, uh, so, uh, we, we wouldn't know because we were basing it on what we had seen at that point. Yep. And it's like, I hadn't done the research on this character yet. Um, and part of the reason why was even at that time I hadn't, like I knew about this character's quest line, but I wanted to do it myself. Right. And I was still, I was like halfway through my second playthrough. Mm-hmm. Now I've done a playthrough where I've seen everything uh, mm-hmm. that's in the game. Like I've done all the quest lines. Um, so I no longer have that excuse. Yeah. But at the time we recorded, I did. And I do feel like the game, the information it presents at the point at which we were covering does seem to suggest it's a Dark Souls 2 giant. Yeah. Womp. Um, oh, there's also the other story that I heard. I can't find a source for this, um, but mm-hmm. it might have been like on something awful or what have you, um, is that he was initially uh, um, kind of either presented or modeled as a, as a Dark Souls 2 giant. And that's what they did in the intro. And then they changed that uh, partway through mm-hmm. development. And it's easier to change the in-game asset than to just go back and re-render that whole section of the uh, That, that of could the be thing. the case too. Well, because there's another uh, one of the, like Aldrich looks very different mm-hmm. as well. So like I could see that as well. Yeah. Um, and then we have a final piece of follow up here just about some of the, the, the graphical concerns that we've had about games on this generation. Uh, Frederick Knight of Astora uh, writes in via context saying, in your previous episode, you tried to pinpoint the issue with Bloodborne's graphics. I believe you were referring to the effect of chromatic aberration, which in layman's terms simulates a bad lens. Um, and Frederick includes uh, some examples here. Uh, just the idea of it is like, hey, a shitty lens is going to like pr- prism out. Uh, certain mm-hmm. details specifically um, around the edges uh, of, of an image. Um, and Frederick continues to say, uh, when used correctly, it can be a good uh, a mood booster uh, too much and you get a bit queasy. Um, this is an issue, like just the kind of that, especially around the edges, like stuff just kind of starts breaking or uh, breaking apart and getting all prismy, like or like rainbowy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, like <laughs> when it's done really bad, it looks like your TV's a piece of shit mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just like mimicking optics, which is something a great game is going to do is mimic optics. Um, that is probably combining with the visual clutter um, side of it, because like the prism of the edge of all of these headstones and um, astrolabes and stuff will cause more visual noise. I think that both Gary and I are, are, are referring to like just like the crazy normal mapping of everything around um, it, ad, adding visual clutter. It's possibly both too. Yep. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this is contributing as well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like one can exacerbate the other. Yeah. But yeah. It's, the examples I'll put in the uh, in the show notes are really interesting. Yep. Like because uh, the the one that's before looks very obvious. Uh, the the first example where it's just a building mm-hmm. uh, showing side by side, but then he does one that's actually from like a Bloodborne screenshot, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that was happening constantly, <laughs> and is is a uh, you know that is a good reason to walk by and miss a shortcut or a ladder or something like that, especially because it's always at the edge of your uh, your field of vision. Exactly. Yeah. So then it's gonna be you're gonna not gonna be focusing on that. You're heading towards an enemy or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you, Frederick. Yeah. Um, moving on to responses. Nathan says via contact. Uh, the high wall is basically the greatest hits of intro souls levels. 
droves of basic enemies, dragons as environmental hazards, elite knights to kick your teeth in unless you learn to parry, and they're built uh, to trip up veteran Souls players as well. The first few encounters almost feel like puzzles in that there's a very specific way to handle the enemies. By the end of the level, you definitely have earned your sea legs and can move more or less competently to get a handle on how this latest entry feels. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, we, we, we talked a little bit about that. Like, you know, you made that comment in the episode about how you could probably like write a book or at least a long article um, comparing the like the elements. Like just that they first bring levels. In. Yeah. Like yeah. just the first levels of these. Not the tutorials or, or, or what have you, but like, mm-hmm. you know, one wand, undead bird to so and so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Agreed. Greatest hits. It just shows that it shows that they're learning. Like this one would be the greatest hits because they're pulling from so many different entries. And there, there are so many like levels that are the like gameplay wise are the best thing that this game has done. I think or the series <laughs> has done. Yeah. Like there, are, there are multiple ways, and we'll we'll touch on them when we get there. But I, I think that this is the culmination of what they've learned level design wise yeah. or gameplay wise. Yep. So except for poison. <laughs> Emily writes in via context saying, for me, the high wall of Lothric immediately recalled Bloodborne, and specifically Central Yarnum. This was due in part to the organic urban sprawl of an ancient valley, or of an ancient city, rather, uh, with multiple branching paths, but also seeing the entire city laid out in front of me before I delved into it. I knew as I admired the view that those distant fortifications uh, would be my eventual goal. Now that I've been through the entire game, I can trace my path across the vista from one end to the other, picking out specific areas and marveling at how small they look from a distance. Uh, These are my favorite moments in Souls games. I love it when the game gives me the ability to step back and take a bird's eye view of my hard-won progress, gaining a new perspective on these areas, and especially discovering how they all connect and weave together. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know how much I feel that specifically to the High Wall of Lothric or to Bloodborne. Yeah. Like, I feel like Bloodborne actually is not, as far as like seeing other areas and kind of marking your progress visually, I think Bloodborne is kind of not as strong yeah. in the series as Dark Souls 1, I guess. I mean, probably stronger than Dark Souls 2, but mm-hmm. I feel like Bloodborne, there are fewer areas where you get to go look at, you know, like you can see Old Yarnum from from a couple places in the 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 main area in central Yarnum mm-hmm. and stuff, but it doesn't have a strong sense of that as Dark Souls One does. Yeah, to me like, at least. In, uh, in in Bloodborne, it's I kind of get the sense that you're looking at big ornate buildings or like small, you know, like when, when you're looking towards the city or small hovels, you know, broken down stuff when you're looking out from the city. Um, yeah. and any of those could be any of the other. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's yeah. a feeling that I got anyway. But like, I think Emily's correct. Like the you know the the skyline in this is pretty good. No, it's it's definitely beautiful. I just don't have that sense of like specific to this. Yeah. That sense of like I'm gonna go there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not something I associate with Bloodborne necessarily. Yeah. Um, because I don't think it happens that often in Bloodborne. It happens when you first see that cleric beast bridge, but there aren't too many times where they frame and then like cathedral, but there aren't a lot of times. There's a, so much like weird kind of spacey witness, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh now I'm in a nightmare zone, now I'm in Yaragul. <laughs> like a lot of area now I'm in Hemwick. Like there are a lot of areas that you cannot that are distinct. Yeah. And broken off and explicitly like gated from the main area. Yeah. That really there's just kind of a, a three areas that are really kind of connected mm-hmm. that way. Um, there are some later areas in this game where I think that does come up more. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, but I don't, I just something I don't associate with Bloodborne. It's something I actually like is an area that I think is a step down for Bloodborne from Dark Souls 1. Yeah. But as, as much as I'm just like a Dark Souls 1, like every, I compare everything to, to Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Boaz says uh, by contact, uh, the initial exit from inside the tower where you warp to the first great first bonfire is a great reveal. But there's one thing in particular that stuck with me. I saw these big poles in the distance and bodies on top of it and thought, oh, impalement. That's a pretty standardly gruesome thing. <laughs> when, I got, when I got closer and I saw that, no, these are people whose legs have grown into the ground and whose arms in some cases have grown into branches. Now that's a unique unsettling image. And they all seem to be pointed towards the sun or the castle. So what's going on there? I don't know, but I did do a little research on human-slash-tree imagery. The main sources I found were the myth of Apollo and Daphne, uh, where Daphne is saved from his advances by being turned into a laurel tree, and in Dante's Divine Comedy, where the souls of people who committed suicide are imprisoned within trees and can only speak or grieve when their branches are broken. Um, well, that's so good. Yep. Uh, there are artistic, uh, there's artistic precedence, though not much precedence within souls, except that trees and branches are linked to chaos and its corrupted version of creating life. Don't know if that's a connection that bears out in the end, but I'm a big fan of chaos whenever it crops up. 
As a postscript, I thought Vort was cool from a character design perspective because despite being an armored knight with a big weapon, he's also quadrupedal. And uh, the way that changes how he moves and looks at, and the way that changes how he moves and looks puts him between beast and knight in a way that I haven't seen before, except with maybe the race of sentient armored bears from his dark materials, that series. And there is a picture of the bears. <laughs> Those bears are so goofy. Yes. Uh, I have, I have not, uh, not checked that out just yet, but yeah. that'll be in the show notes. They're, they're well. especially goofy in the movie. Um, um, uh, the, uh, the people turning into trees are not the chaos. Um, <laughs> not, not to, not to shoot you down, but just there's stuff later that you maybe have not gone to. We, we have a very firm idea of what's happening to the chaos flame in this world. Um, through item descriptions and it is, uh, it is not active. Hmm. So, yeah. And, uh, so the, the, the talk about, uh, about Vort is, uh, uh, kind of reminding me like a, of a, a little bit about how we talked about what is it? Ludwig, the Holy blade. Yeah. Yeah. Just how that is kind of this thing that, 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 that merges the beast fight and the knife fight. And the fact that they, they put that so front and center here, um, is, uh, I don't know what it's saying about the transition, but like it brings the best of both. I think it's a cool, yeah, it's an interesting way to do it because the, the Vort or the, uh, uh, Ludwig one, it literally happens in the middle of the battle. Mm-hmm. This is like the synthesis as opposed to the, the progression, right? Which is, which is a cool, cool take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, David writes in via contact to say, I think the best touch of the high wall beyond the shortcuts, dragons and asshole knights is the liberal amount of both throwing knives and fire bombs they give you. In my, in my run, I had over 20 of both before leaving the area. Uh, the fact that this doesn't seem to happen again leads me to think that from once players to learn about the usefulness of these items. Uh, so they give you enough that you feel comfortable using them without feeling wasteful. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, especially with, um, with the puss of man being like, if they're going to, if you're going to fight those things, (laughs) they want you to try using fire. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll go down in three, uh, you three of those fire bombs. And And so there's unlocks them. Yeah. They're precious in that way too. Like, yeah, (laughs) you can never have enough of them, especially because those respawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is also, that is a good touch. Um, Sean says, uh, by contact, I played the network test version of the high wall of Lothric. So going into this location, I thought I had figured it out already. However, there were subtle differences and they got me killed three times. One, there's no puss of man in the network test at the watchtower to the right of the first bonfire, so I strolled in and got slapped to death. Uh, two, the chest beneath the dragon was not a mimic, so I opened the chest with brash bravado and was eaten. <laughs> three, you could not reach Vort's room in the network test, and I was expecting the dancer to be the boss, so I plowed. Uh, so I was plowed down with no Estus to save me. Moral <laughs> of the story, knowing an area will make progressing through an area infinitely easier. Thinking you know an area will get you killed. <laughs> so if we never get a scholar of the first sin edition of Dark Souls 3, that is the closest anybody is going to get to having that level of like, I think this is familiar. And and then having it. Yeah. Subvert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never done a Souls Network test, so I don't. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Like I haven't had that experience. It's something I seek out, but I also don't or like not. I don't seek out because I'm <laughs> like going to actively spoiler avoid. Free. I actively avoid is what I mean. But the idea of having that slightly different experience of having your expectations fucked with is kind of appealing. Yeah. The one for uh, Dark Souls 2 where he did the Hunts- Huntsman's Cops was uh, was not really that different between the two mm-hmm. of them. Like there's probably somebody who can make a make a more definitive list. Um, but uh, the biggest difference was the Valley of Executioners. All of them were Black Phantom versions. Mm-hmm. So it was even tougher. <laughs> I, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, John writes in via contact to say, one thing that I noted while I was going along the high wall of the high wall of Lothric was just how similar the area felt to the bridge area of the undead Berg in Dark Souls One. Shortly after going down a ladder um, after the first dragon, I killed the knight with a shield, saw enemies down the way, and decided to go up instead. I read a soapstone message that said "seems familiar" and shrugged and moved up. The first thing I noticed were all of the items on the ground, kind of like a few of the items on the bridge where the Hellkite Drake swoops over. Then it happened. The dragon landed and sprayed fire everywhere. Aha, I thought. I knew what to do because Dark Souls 1 taught me uh, to take the low path to avoid the dragon. So I go back down and I take the lower path and boom, fire's everywhere. Half of my health is gone. This just goes to show uh, that this game is for Dark Souls 1 players, uh, but also it is very self-aware. Yes. And my, my favorite parts in which this game references Dark Souls 1 are when it does it kind of ludically yep. and design-wise like that. Yep. Like the architecture being familiar. Like every time I come across it, it like seems familiar. <laughs> Soapstone or one where I would, a place where I would put one. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty into it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah agreed. Um, Ivan says via contact. 
One of my favorite areas in the high wall of Lothric, which I spent about seven hours of game time uh, in just fighting enemies and trying to explore every nook and cranny, is the area where you fight the winged knight. This area seems to be some sort of courtyard with a beautiful fountain in the middle. There are many dead Lothric and winged knights strewn about, which I assume are the remains of a battle that happened long ago, or maybe recently. There's one particular winged knight uh, that was apparently killed by a spear through the back while reaching for a halberd. It's these type of environmental clues that really make exploration so rewarding in these games. Reading up on the lore on several wikis, it seems like the Winged Knights had stormed Lothric Castle, heading towards the Grand Archives to free uh, Heavenly Daughter Gertrude from her imprisonment. And this is uh, there's a link to the item description. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is something that we could we find out later in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, we talked about that a little bit too. How you get these little nuggets of things, but we're not going to get that context until later. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is very cool. There's um, some people, I don't know if this shows, I don't read the comments before we record, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of the knights are, uh, or the the statue that we find inside the cathedral is cutting off its own head. Right. And there's talk, or some people talked about in Slack about how maybe that's what happened to these knights, but I don't think so. Mm. Um, I, I really feel like there is a battle going on, mostly because of this set piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think just, that there was a fight between, and we, I mean, we know the winged knight stormed the castle and mm-hmm. stuff. So there's something with that knight cutting off its own head, but I don't think it's this. I really don't. I think that it's more of just like a, like a basic sacrifice kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like metal and cool. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, that could be, could be part of it. Obvs. Yeah. Um, Joseph writes in via contact, um, to give us a little bit of a tip. Uh, you know, that wing knight patrolling the awesome courtyard set piece in the high wall of Lothric, AKA fat Halberd. And how much of a pain it is to try to fight, to, to try to fight him. Um, it's easy to break his pattern when coming in from the elevator shortcut so that he ends up getting stuck in the fire in the middle of the area. He's too stupid to actually walk away from it. So he just dies eventually for easy souls. Sure. It's not as rewarding as beating him uh, legit in a duel, but there's still a delicious satisfaction of seeing the big dumb bastard get cooked alive in his armor. Mm-mm. The uh, mm-hmm or yup, uh, the civil war. The uh, so it is a uh, uh, there's an enemy later that is a tough enemy that I uh, have. I mean, it's not much of a story. It was just I was down, I was out of Estes and he was near a fire, and I just juked him around the fire until he kept testing it until he got burned to death. Um, but yeah, enemies will kind of avoid fire, but not very well. Yeah, they don't so, commit to it. Yeah, they they kind of want to be burned, <laughs> but they don't want to be totally burned. Just to feel alive, you know. Um, Doug says via contact, I was impressed that the high wall, uh, found many different ways to subvert my expectations. First, it was so labyrinthine that it made central Yarnum look like a triumph of city planning. <laughs> Second, after tanking, tanking my way past the dragon's fire, I was so thrilled to find the treasure beyond that I was instantly eaten to death by the mimic. Third, even though Udix Grunder, 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 <laughs> uh, had already pulled the Resident Evil 4 sludge plugus maneuver, finding the hollow version on the roof still managed to surprise me. Finally, when Vort was slain and the demons beyond hoisted me away, all I could do was laugh. If Bloodborne was metal by way of Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath, Dark Souls 3 is metal by way of Tenacious D. That, that's a really good comparison. Uh, <laughs> now looking back on the level, it was as if the game was constantly telling me that I could not trust anything it was showing me at any time. In the past, while the NPCs are usually unreliable, the world itself was fairly objective. Here, however, there's a distinct sense that anything could happen at any time, and, and if... As the story, uh, soul story suggests, the world is circling down the drain, then it would make sense that everything, even logic, is subject to that entropy. Yeah. Sure. Like, I, I, I don't know that some of those logic leaps are actually <laughs> uh, part of the thematic whole. I think there is some stuff that's actually just kind of sloppy. Yeah. But um, some of them, I, I think, are just uh, are subverting expectations. Yeah. I, I liked the bit about, uh, well, let's critique his message. No, I liked, I liked the bit about yeah. uh, about the world, um, feeling like it was betraying you as opposed to the people in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christo writes in, uh, saying, I got to Vort fairly easily and took off about 30% of his health without getting hit. And then my son says, this boss seems really easy. I venture that there is likely a second phase, uh, that is more difficult. After I get Vort's health down a little more, sure enough, he goes berserk and wipes the floor with my lifeless body. My son and I looked at each other and burst out laughing. He's eight years old and enjoys sitting on the couch with his iPad, watching me play Souls games, especially the bosses. So he had plenty of context. Dark Souls 3, fun for the entire family. Aw. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, your son's a backseat driver. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a regular Brayton Cameron. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, oh, man. Um, that, that is very cute. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan says via contact, uh, everything about the pontiff's left eye ring item suggests the link between Dark Souls and Bloodborne. A ring referencing the eye of a church official that transforms its wearer into a figurative or literal frenzied beast and imparts Bloodborne's health regen mechanic as its effect. The final bit about how uh, the pontiff only provides these rings to those dispatched to foreign lands was particularly intriguing. I'm still tossing around whether this is purely a nudge-nudge, wink-wink fan service uh, for From Software fans or if this is part of a genuine link that they want to imply. Regardless, it's in the game, so I'm treating it as the latter. Your thoughts on the item, why it's crafted from a particular boss soul, its place in the lore, etc. I just thought this would be a fun topic. Yeah. Smiling face emoticon. If they're if if they are connected, they are connected in a way that I just find it impossible to care about. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that they I don't think they're literally connected. No, no. Um there's there's another item description later that references uh uses the phrase deep sea. Mm-hmm. And some people thought that of evidence of Bloodborne being in the same continuity. Um I I don't think so. Uh, mostly when you start thinking about like what Bloodborne's actually about, mm-hmm. you know, so like this, this ring, uh, the reason why I think it's an Easter egg is because the ring references superficial things, yeah. um, which are regain, which is a gameplay mechanic. It's not like a, a world thing. I mean, yes, it's supposed to be you getting your, your spirit back or what have you, or your confidence, but it is more of a gameplay mechanic than anything. And then kind of turning into a beast, which is like, that's kind <laughs> of pan fictional, yeah. you know? Um, and it doesn't, it's not about uh, these grand elder space gods and forbidden knowledge and stuff like the things that bloodborne actually is yeah concerned about in its gut you know it's like stomach so that's what makes it feel like an easter egg to me yeah it feels like an uh, easter egg if it's anything more it's probably just the fact that they like these these ideas so much and they wanted to apply them i think so too and they just put yeah. it there i mean like i don't i don't know like it does seeth coming from kingsfield or the moon sword coming from exactly. kingsfield like that like that feels like a like a like a weaker thing although like, demon yeah, souls you, is kind of in fiction now so yeah, demon. Yeah, demon souls actually kind of. Well, it's interesting though because there are no like references to Estrella or anything. Mm-hmm. There are just like tons of gameplay quotes, <laughs> and then like one enemy design that is straight up taken from it. Yeah. So it's like it's 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 strange to figure out exactly what ends up being in canon. But like yeah. somehow uh, demon souls being in canon makes more sense to me than Bloodborne. Yeah. I think it's part of just the victory lapism. Mm-hmm. Like they're bringing back they're bringing back parts of the entire family. Yeah. For for their victory lap. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and I, I won't, I won't take away anybody's like mental gym, gymnastics yeah. about, about putting this stuff together. It's just not something that I, that, that, that I find satisfying to do. So if I'm not, if I'm not gushing about it, it's just cause yeah, it's like, okay, it's kind of neat. I just don't read into it. I would need some more connection. Yeah. Um, and maybe, and maybe that will come, you know, oh. maybe the DLC will bring that, or maybe somebody will put together things that I haven't put together, um, and find something more. But right now an Easter egg seems like the Occam's razor yep. kind of choice. Um, in a game, very obsessed with these eggs. Um, finally, uh, just fun in, uh, a guy named Gary, which that's, that's rare, um, <laughs> says, uh, by contact, the official strategy guide sounds like it's not so great. So do you guys have a better recommendation for a source on that stuff? Just the usual wikis. I was thinking about grabbing the guide after my first blind playthrough to try to find all the areas I've missed and get all the various NPC quests done. And I like the idea of having all that information collated together while playing. Is this a good, uh, is it good for that at least or no? Um, I the quest stuff is not great. I don't think the quest stuff. Yeah, definitely not, not, not as great. Um, if you're just looking for like what you need to do, like in which order, there's an amazing thing that, uh, that Allison shared with me on, uh, that's like up on GitHub. It's like the complete checklist for what you need to do. I think it's great. I use that in my second playthrough to get yeah. all the quests. Yeah. yeah so I'll like that in the show notes, if you're, if you're just looking for like, Oh, a reminder, you, you know, of what I need to do, then that's, that's a good place to start with it at the very least. And you can go to wikis to find, kind of specifics i like the maps in the in, in the guide i like yeah. having that thing there just a reference because going to a wiki scrolling past people's like here's my video walkthrough of this place yeah like no i just need i just need a bird's eye view to to get a look at this the fact that it kind of like as it as the walkthroughs are written they kind of zoom into particular areas so you see so you see them in better detail i think that part of it is put together very well it's anytime you start looking at words that things get hairy yeah there, there is really poorly written yeah. but not necessarily and you can't it's, I mean, we, we talked about this at length and we're, I'm not going to go over it too much more, but like, I can't stress enough how many things other than just a, a reference for item descriptions and maps, mm-hmm. how useless it is <laughs> because even the strategies it gives you are bad. Right. Like it is, it is not useful. So I would say don't buy the guide. If it goes on like mega sale or you have a bunch of Amazon fun bucks <laughs> sitting around and it's literally no skin off your back, um, you know, pick it up if you want to have it to, to flip through. 
but you are better served keeping a wiki open or looking at your phone and having that checklist. Yeah. Because that checklist is great. Like it's relatively spoiler free. Like it just gives you the names of things mm -hmm. and you already know kind of what's going to, I mean, it's not really spoiler free, but it doesn't tell you how things articulate. Yeah. It says like, go here for this event, but it doesn't tell you what actually happens. Right. You know, there's no editorializing in it. So, and it also tells you like every area there's an Estes shard, things like that, which you maybe don't want, but you get that, you know, you know that you've cleared out an area. Yeah. After you've used that thing. So it's really good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, start with that. And uh, if it's if it's not any skin off your back, go for the guide. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, um, Michael writes in via contact saying I'm not very far into Dark Souls three yet, but I can't stop thinking that maybe Dark Souls three is literally a direct sequel to Dark Souls one. Maybe I'm way off base here, um, and something later in the game will refute this. Uh, but up until this point, I feel an argument could be made for Dark Souls three coming chronologically after one, with Dark Souls two happening thousands of years after that. I realize there are a lot of Dark Souls 2 things in Dark Souls 3, such as the giant tree and Firelink Shrine, but I haven't found anything yet that necessitates the events of Dark Souls 2 to have already transpired. Something neat to contemplate. If I'm wrong, maybe From missed a cool opportunity to, uh, to go a little Zelda uh, with their chronology. Uh, that is not the case because yeah, you, you are wrong, but what you posit is a better idea. What you posit is an idea that I briefly entertained because um, like it just makes more sense that way, except you read, more you read item descriptions that talk about like a king who, you know, who, who desired something but ended up being no monarch at all, which is just a direct quote of Vendrick. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's too much stuff that explicitly puts Dark Souls 2 in the past, whereas this would make so much more sense as an interquel than, yeah. than a sequel. To Dark Souls 2. Like I, I say it again, I'll say it a million fucking times. Dark Souls 2 feels like it's thousands of years in the past. This feels like it's six days after Dark Souls 1. <laughs> like not six days, but it's like, I can't believe it's been aeons. It's been nearly 30 years. It's been six generations. Since, yeah, it, it, it feels like it's no time has passed at all um, for me. And the uh, that's a big thing of what I'm picking up on. Um, so it is weird. And you can explain a lot of that stuff just geographically because mm -hmm. uh, they're explicitly in different parts of the world. You know, so like, Okay, like that's why we're not getting quite as much stuff, yeah. but uh, it is not an interqual. Um, you will run into item descriptions later that directly contradict that. So, yeah. but I wish it was. <laughs> um, and finally, Juno says by contact, uh, dear Cole and Gary, I just wanted to share my experiences. Speaking as a trans woman, my experience with my extended family was extremely awkward. But Dark Souls, and in particular Dark Souls Three, was the first bridge that opened me up to my brother and got us talking again from all the way across the country. So I thought that was pretty special. I just wanted to throw that in as like a little heartwarming thing at the end. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Souls is a, it can be a force for good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and is. None of this is a uh, uh, solitary anymore. You know, it can bring us all closer together. Yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about that. And thank you for sharing your experience. Mm -hmm. um, if you have anything to share about the undead settlement. Yes. Um, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Mm -hmm. um, no guests lined up yet probably like I would just have the sense of like get used to that for the season <laughs> uh because I'm just having uh, a lot of soft confirmations yeah uh from people but not a lot of hard confirmations so um yeah but uh hit us up there and we uh we'd appreciate your thoughts yeah um and the usual stuff you're pretty aware of it you can uh go to uh, our facebook group that's uh, on and popping which is pretty good that's facebook.com slash bonfire side chat itunes ratings and reviews um and especially subscriptions as well we got a huge boost um, around the time the season started because so many people hopped on um, that uh, helps get us up in the rankings and uh, uh, that is a nice place to be if you want to support us more directly go to patreon.com slash duckfeed tv and uh, kick us a couple of bucks a month uh, we've got new shows on the uh, milestone goals and they're all shows we really want to do but we just need you know freedom and money sometimes is freedom uh, and we yes. appreciate everybody who has uh, given to us of their hard-earned money yeah, absolutely. If I can make a quick uh, quick tip or request about the Facebook page, uh, please mm -hmm. join us on Facebook. When you find a cool Dark Souls link, throw it on our page rather than our messages. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier for me to look at it on my phone, so that's a selfish thing. But also then everyone can see it. Yes. And then that way uh, it generates discussion and stuff. When you just message uh, us directly with the links, um, I can watch it, but it's not, you know, I would rather just have everybody be able to talk about it. So I read everything that gets posted. I read everything that gets messaged. I watch all those videos. I mm -hmm. want you to bring that stuff to me. Like, I appreciate it. Yeah. But bring it to us through putting on the page so it's for everybody. Yeah, if it's just in, like the, it, if it's just in the inbox, it dies there. If it's uh, for everybody, it lives on. Yes, and it's the inbox. This is not, you have no way like of knowing this, and this isn't your fault, but the inbox is like inconsistent in its alert system. <laughs> And it is kind of a pain in the dick on the phone. Like everyone's most of the time I can access it, but sometimes it wants me to install this app. Sometimes like the 
thing to get me to install the app full screens and I accidentally click like I'm going to install this separate app to look at <laughs> messages. And it's a, it's, it's a frustrating interface. So um, it is easiest if those just go on our wall and then we will uh, we will re- react to them there and uh, kind of start the conversation. It is yeah. not uh, it's not rude to do that. Right. Um, put that on our wall. It doesn't it doesn't make it look like you're presenting it as if you were us or right. anything like that. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's probably about it. I think mm-hmm. that we might have some deleted scenes. Uh, uh we possibly, have... I don't know, but in case we don't. Yeah. If, if we do great, <laughs> if not, uh, what should they do till next time? Cool. Um, you know, I don't have a quote for this. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, until, until next time, uh, get grundled. Yeah. <laughs> Grumbasa. Grumbasa. <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to a Bonfire Side Chat special report. <laughs> yep. Com- coming in at the end of your regularly scheduled appendix. Don't worry. I totally used iTunes' uh, stock newscast music to okay. uh, to go into it. Okay. Well, <laughs> joke's on you. I recorded that with my mouth. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, they so, <laughs> Ah, yes. Scandal on the march. Um, uh, yeah. So, so there's a scandal on the march, and it would just be weird because uh, it was really huge news. And we record these in advance, which I think people know. Uh, however, if we, if what we actually, so we're talking about uh, the teapot poi scandal. Um, <laughs> if we had uh, not mentioned um, that, if in the episode we're just like, yeah, when are they going to turn it on? And then it, we, we would seem like idiots. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we, uh, we said that before the news broke. It just yes. were, you know, like that recording session, you know, between that episode and this appendix kind of straddles um, the announcement that Namco made. And just to kind of head off people kind of like writing in and saying, hey, what's your take? You know, this isn't quite a hot take. We had our own hot takes on the day of, but we just yeah. want to make sure that there's something um, on the record, for lack of a better word, so that people know we know what's up. And if you're curious about what this is, we have a lot of people who are who are fans who are not kind of, you know, into that kind of meta narrative yes. um, and are kind of like, wait a minute, why are people pissed? Or why are people, why are people pissed about people being pissed? That's or why are, why are people pissed about people not being pissed enough? Or yeah. people being pissed about people being pissed. Yeah. Uh, about people being pissed. Yes. Uh, so essentially, so people know, um, you know, you may have had like, and we both like, I mean, just again, we both played through Dark Souls 3 and, and really loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, during that game, I had a weird creeping sensation that something wasn't right. Um, and then the news broke that uh, inside the code, there is a poise value for the player that is set to zero. Um, it is like an untoggled mechanic. Right. Uh, and this was discovered and, by people on Reddit doing tests and going in yes. and modifying the code. This mod is not readily available, but they, you know, switched something and I think a dot INI or something yes. that made poise behave correctly. Poise, for people who don't know, is kind of a property of armor and certain accessories that determines whether or not you're going to get stunned by attacks. Yes. Uh, or if you get, you inter- get interrupted. Yes. Like if you start an action, if you get hit during that action, if you get hurt or if you stop doing that action, not if you get hurt, you're always going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and we don't recommend that mod because that'll get you banned if you use it. Um, so they, they made this mod, they figured it out and they're like, Holy, what the shit? And everyone's just like, Oh, it's a mistake. And then people were like, Oh, maybe it's intended to be that way. Um, but I, the, you know, I was firmly on team, team mistake and team patch. Um, and then the, uh, Namco made this announcement that's like, no, no, it's actually working the way we want it to. Um, and there's a lot of complexity to that announcement. Uh, that we'll, we'll go into is just like and this isn't like going to be like a six hour examination, <laughs> but just the, the short version is that uh, Namco does this a lot. Um, there is something to the uh, culture of Japanese studios about admitting mistakes. Um, that is something I've read elsewhere. That's not like my own from painstaking research, but I've seen other examples of this, uh, even in from software games where a uh, similar thing was with the uh, durability bug yeah. in uh, Dark Souls 2. Yeah. Which, uh, for those who don't know, the durability was time to, tied to your frame rate. So if you had a high end machine, your equipment. Uh, degraded faster. Um, Namco also said, no, no, that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the, the response that came out was blaming the person for attacking dead bodies. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's intended to be uh, the case. Um, so there, there should could be a little bit of just like, this is bullshit, and they're just saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see it going either way. Uh, the idea being that without poise, the game has a little bit more bloodborniness um, in that you're always incentivized not to get hit. Um, and that's what the kind of the defenders of this are saying is that like, the, you know, throwing on poise would ruin the game. Um, it shouldn't have poise. Uh, that's a, 
we want this pace of, of combat and the like. Yeah. Um, um, there's also um, kind of a, a theory, and you know, one of the effects of this is that it changes the PvP meta. You know, in Dark Souls One, you had the giant dad, people who would have a up. Yes. Um, and uh, essentially just be completely un- uninterruptible, rolling around at uh, the fastest rate and uh, kind of taking advantage of the poise system in order to kind of, uh, you know, find the most efficient thing. This switch yes. away from poise to like anything can interrupt anything actually swings it entirely in the other direction where now all of a sudden the PvP meta that we're seeing is heavily encouraging people to use something like the S-Dock or the washing pole, um, which gives you a lot of fast attacks at a long distance in order to, to just keep people stunlocked until they're done. Yes, you literally just, uh, whoever gets the first hit. Yeah. So the, uh, and that's not, you know, I would, people who are way into PvP um, don't like giant dad days either. Right. Um, the uh, it's their least favorite Wang Chung song. <laughs> That's Giant a deep pull. Is the um, <laughs> but the uh, this is also frustrating. And the thing I noticed a lot, the things I noticed this in when I was playing the game were a lot of times in PvP situations where I would mm-hmm. just get stunlocked to death because some guy had a straight sword and and would do that to me. That is a, a true thing that happened to me frequently. Yeah. Um, when I got invaded. Um. So the uh, and then so now there's also another theory going around and, and Reddit detectives who are uh, doing frame captures and and uh, and doing video and analysis and stuff are saying that like no the poise just means a completely different thing and they're tying it into a concept uh, called super armor uh, boy is this like dorky <laughs> bullshit um, hyper armor or super armor okay. which is uh, something tied to if you're using a heavy weapon um, there are certain frames of your animation in which you cannot be interrupted during right. Um, so what does this all add up to? Well, like it is still kind of bullshit. And the biggest argument, I think that it is bullshit that there's no poise are the dozens and dozens of legacy items and mechanics that reference it. Right. Um, by throwing out poise, uh, one, you are making one stat explicitly worthless, um, which was already kind of just like, it didn't do enough. But you're you're specifically referring to vitality, what you would, what you would put points into in order to be able to equip more. Yes, which there's literally no reason to do that now. Like you might as well just be be naked. Like it, armor still reduces damage to a, a degree. Yeah, but that's never but been as important as as uninterruptibility. You get a you get a bigger bonus by just making sure you have a piece of light armor on every uh, equipable slot. Yes, than you do actually having having heavy armor. So think about um, so vitality is out. Vitality means nothing. Um, there's no reason to wear heavy armor anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's so much equipment. Like equipment is such a big part of like souls um and when you know i noticed it being missing in bloodborne like as a thing yeah having this wide variety of armor um it impacts you know uh your whether whether it's just viable at all it is also the fashion souls thing um i'm just like it's just not viable for me to put dump stats into this thing to wear this giant armor that will not do anything for me yeah um so huge swaths of armor that don't do anything many items that just affect it um so like uh there's a special ability on talismans uh, that increases it there's the wolf ring um there is the cestus weapon art which increases your poise yeah Um, there's also i mean just like other weapon arts that uh that that play into that too or or weapons that do more damage to poise Mm -hmm. um you know things like that those all mean nothing without that turned on um and uh that's excruciating. Like that's really frustrating to me to have all of this. It's just sloppy. Like to have all of these just dead ends that don't apply to anything. Yeah. Um, for yeah. for like a historical example, consider how weird it is that in the SNES version of Final Fantasy VI, your head slot doesn't do anything. Yes. You know. Yeah. Or the blind. and there's all these yeah. helmets and all these references to to things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and so people and those of you who are out there who are like, hey, idiots, uh, Bloodborne <laughs> and Demon Souls didn't have poise. It was those games. Hey, listen, moron. Those games were designed for that. Like there weren't a thousand things referencing poise Mm -hmm. in them, you know? So it's like if it was this intentional thing and they, or they've just decided late in the game to do this, which is what I, if it was a decision, I think it's a late game decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really misguided to leave in these stats and references that are just like literally lying to the player. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not like fun, like the pendant it's saying like, (laughs) Hey, this equipment tells you what it does. It makes a liar of the like the substructure or the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like the things that we can trust, which are the item descriptions that tell you what things do. It makes those into a liar, uh, and that sucks. Like that, that feels <laughs> shitty. I think. Um, and th- this is just, and then the grander thing is that uh, you know, get get you a get you a PvP scene that can do both. Like, I don't want a thousand flipping Havel dads, but I also don't. Uh, I think that there should be more of a, like. 
that should be a build you can do. Yeah, you know? that's that's where I come from it as well. And they even kind of get around that. Like Havel's armor is hidden at the end of a very difficult optional area. Yeah, and that doesn't totally. stop people. But like, you know, that's a thing. Like you know, yeah. that, like it is such late game equipment. And well, even even if it's not specifically Havel, like if it just like sub in any high poise, yeah, yeah. high high heavy armor there. Because uh, because yeah. something that people don't know, I think, when they uh, yell at us on the internet, is that uh, being in the position of this podcast, like we have our own experiences, mm-hmm. we hear a lot of stuff. Like yeah. people, like there there is like a guy who literally has live tweeted me every single thing about every Dark Souls game he has ever played. <laughs> <laughs> so like, for all the downsides to that, uh, the upsides are I hear a lot of experiences vicariously. And when this thing came out, a lot of people were like, "Hey, I have a buddy who just who's really kind of shitty at these games, and he tanks through them." Mm-hmm. You know, like he goes through shield up, he has heavy armor on the entire time. That's how he plays. And he's really struggling with this game. He can't play it. And one salute, one reaction to that would be, hey, get good, idiot. <laughs> Another Which... more humane reaction would be, oh, he's reading the rules. The game presents this as a way to play. Yeah. And you can't, mm-hmm. you know, so who's actually being a jerk? Like, it's not <laughs> that guy for not getting good. You know, it's he's just really he's trying to approach <laughs> the game on its own terms. Yeah. You know. Um, and we don't truck with good good here anyway. No, here, no, it's uh, we want as many people as possible to play these and enjoy them and see it. And yeah, there you know the, the, there is an argument to be said that like oh, having heavy armor and poise is a crutch that you can lean on. That you know the actual you know fruit of the game is in you know learning how to dodge roll. You know in kind of seeing these different articulations. The problem is by taking this option away, you reduce the variety and you actually like reduce the depth. It becomes a, a marginally more shallow experience which hurts the game especially mm. since so much of our so much of our praise for the games in the in the early episodes and this is still true is that this is a return to build variety it's a return to you know so specifically the non-bloodborne pace of combat and not having poise and not having the ability to soak blows from you know even something like rats fundamentally changes the rhythm of the combat and makes it more one note, which sucks. Because yeah, I, the thing I love about the mechanics in this game is the rhythm of the combat. And the ability to alter that to the way you want to play is fundamental. Yeah. You know, you, you get a lot of that back just by adding a shield back in. So yeah. it's not entirely. So when we said there's more build variety, there is, mm-hmm. right, than Bloodborne. It doesn't take anything to have more build variety than Bloodborne. You mm-hmm. know, Super Mario Brothers has more build variety than Bloodborne. <laughs> but like the... uh it is just that, like, this other tool that's taken out of your box. And the other thing I've heard a lot is people who are just like, well, I just, I play decks and fast roll anyway. Okay. And it's like, well, that, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> that, that is great. Like, that is, you know, good for you, buddy. Uh, but that has no bearing on this as it's like, it's experience as a game or it's quality as a, a game. Like, as, as something that is, I'm invested in, I want this game to be rich and great, mm-hmm. you know, even, and that extends past beyond just how I personally experience it. You know, like, I, my, my interest in these things have gone further than that like i want more people to like it i want to be able to experience it in different ways and like you know i i also don't tank behind heavy armor like i like did medium armor for the entire thing which meant that like big fuck off guys i was okay getting staggered out of but if i was wading through some like rats i wanted to be able to wade through some rats because i had a weapon that had a slower wind up um no that's not not really an option um anymore because right. of that like it's just it's very frustrating like uh blunt weapons do more stamina damage mm-hmm. or are supposed to do more poise damage um so that's like another thing that is like weakened or semi-nerfed by this decision it just has very far re- reaching webs um and i really hope this is a case of like the durability thing where they say that it's intended uh to save face and really like they're going to patch it out or people will complain enough because my understanding and reading is that like this is something that Japanese players have been complaining about since the inception of the game. Yeah. Um, that enough people complain about that they will change their minds. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it feels to me, if it's the best will in the world, if I think of it as something they did on accident and not a literal mistake, um, which I, you know, I think there's a probably good argument for that. It was a last minute balance thing. And it's another example of like sacrificing something up on the altar of difficulty. Yeah. Like, oh, this this doesn't feel hard enough here. Rather than going through and individually balancing encounters and enemies, mm-hmm. uh, we need to uh, just make this kind of broad strokes yeah. solution. Yeah. Either that or it is an attempt to balance around previ- you know, PvP problems that were experienced in previous games, thus making a change that affects way, way more. It's a baby yeah, in the bathwater kind the of thing. PvE. Yeah. yeah. 
and stuff. And it feels like the, I mean, that balance, I don't want to treat like video game is, design is hard. I'm not going to try to trivialize anything like no, that. No, it's not just a number. <laughs> it's not, it's not just a number, but like in the past, right? Like enemies that, uh, it, I mean, it is a number. It's just an, a number that's on everything. It's a, yeah, so, it's a number that is attached to so many things that are already there. They did all the hard, they did all the hard work and then completely nullify yeah, and then, it. And then yeah. just turn it off because like in past games, like if you want, if there's a big guy and you don't want him to get interrupted, you turn up his poise. If you want him to be able to interrupt the, the player, you turn up his poise damage. And that's how, you know, it's always worked. And there's this like kind of beautiful signaling to it in Dark Souls games where you could look at something and say like, oh shit, I have to approach this individual enemy differently because I know I'm not going to be able to suffer any bullshit from him. And that just doesn't like now uh, that the same like three rats has the same effect, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not super hard. If you can get a hit off, you're great. And but like if one of them hits you, like you're in for a lot of damage, you know, through your like six foot thick I, like it also just doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel like flavorful. Like I'm wearing this like, you know, really thick iron set of armor and like our rat just bites through it and does 10% of my health, you know, like it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's, uh, that's the, the take that we have on it. Developments will, will happen and we'll talk about them on the show. I don't, we're yeah. not necessarily going to do one of these updates like every <laughs> single time there's a piece of news. Yeah. We generally uh, don't do news kind of stuff. Gary, uh, just kind of like a, as a, as an exit question, um, are we hypocrites for being bothered by this and not by the elevator? Uh, no. Are we dark souls uh, white or are we dark souls two white knights? And are we trying to say that our favorite game in the series is better because of this arbitrary reason? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but, but it won't stop people from saying that. Um, in, and the, re- this has like, uh, such far reaching effects. Like the comparison is, is nutty to me, <laughs> you know, to, to the elevator, especially now that we know what the elevator was. Like I, I am way more liable to forgive an actual just mistake, <laughs> which is what the elevator was. If you look at the, the design work thing, it's somebody misunderstanding some concept art, like big fucking whoop, right? Like it doesn't, uh, <laughs> it is so funny to me that in dark souls three, uh, one character says, uh, the lands are converging and land lore people will forgive literally every nonsensical geometry thing or why areas are on top of each other or anything just because a character says it. Yeah. And then, you know, one character does not say it in two and everybody loses their minds. You know, it is just, it is very, very funny to me the way that like that works. Yeah. You know, all it would have to take somebody would have been like, Oh, the lands are converging. And then everyone <laughs> would have been a okay with, with elevator gate. And like, again, this is not about dark souls two. It is just <laughs> about, uh, making a big deal out of something that I feel like is truly a bigger deal right. in a game. I absolutely loved Like it is like, <laughs> Like I, I had so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. It is a, yeah. a great, great, great game. It was a fun week playing it the first time. I'm having fun playing like three different characters, but I'm a little bit bummed about the character that I explicitly rolled to be a heavy armor two handed weapon guy. Yeah. Just kind yeah, of like, that character it, it, is you know, no longer I, welcome here. I have that, uh, that nagging feeling in the back of my head that just kind of like, this is suboptimal. You're going to get fucked. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. So anywho, so we're in closing. Uh, we're not hypocrites. It actually does <laughs> and it a lot matter. of things. And it wouldn't matter if we were. And that, well, that, <laughs> boy, that really gets to the heart of it, guys. Um, <laughs> it would not matter if we were. That is that is 100% true. Uh, but I do not think in this specific case uh, we are. Right. I know the difference between Demon Souls and, and Dark Souls 3. I know, you know, like it's not a, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this game, guys. Yeah, we've played them a um, lot. Yeah, like it is, uh, you know, it, it's my job. Um, I'm not trying to like pull authority, but like, don't, uh, you know, when you, when you come to us with the assumption that we like, there's something that fundamental that I just don't understand. I think it's really condescending. Like, Oh, you think this because you don't get it. Well, no, maybe I saw the same thing you did and came to a different conclusion. Like which one of those is, is less, uh, condescending and shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to this special report and, uh, we will see you next week with our episode on the undead settlement. Looking forward to that. That's a big area. Yeah, it's a, it's a big and lots of quest lines start there too. Yeah. So And we all pray that we will have far more soon.